I want to start you off with a little seed thought. There's going to be a pun here, just warning you. I'm going to seed a thought in your mind, and I want you to really think about it as we go through the opening ad for this podcast. You're probably so used to hearing it, it's like just soaked into your being, but it's an ad that I truly believe in, and so I I run it every single episode right up front uh, with the one change that I'm going to try to give you a seed thought at the beginning of episodes like this, a seed thought. All right, here it is. Until you know you're an apple, you'll never know where you belong and where you're out of place. What is author marketing mastery through optimization, you ask? I'm going to tell you, it's the best way for us authors to make a living selling our books. Are you tired of hearing gurus tell you your book is only good enough to be a lead magnet for services? Are you tired of feeling like you have to be a slave to social media and then frustrated when that time doesn't actually help you sell books? I was too, until I found Ammo. Ammo is the only program that reliably produces results and it works for anyone. Is it hard work? You bet. Do you have to overcome some of your own prejudices to make Ammo work for you? Absolutely. But rather than being another program that rah-rah shish-goom-bahs tries to get you emotionally excited only to offer unclear methods, Ammo shows you how to design profitable ads step-by-step through a unique, never-before-tested formula. The founder, Steve Piper, is a data-loving, formula-driven author who escaped the kingdom of Amazon to build a platform for himself where he sold directly to his readers and built a loyal following. With Ammo, you know who's reading your books, how to contact them, and what they want to read next. If you've always been frustrated with Amazon's wall of mystery, of not knowing who's reading your books, of losing 50 to 70% of the hard-earned money you make through book sales, Ammo solves all of those problems by putting you in the driver's seat and showing you how to fulfill your books directly to your readerships. Click the link in the show notes to learn more. Hey, it's Monday for you. For me, it's Friday. I tend to record these on Fridays, but you've had a chance to listen to the ammo ad for the program. I really encourage you, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while and you're curious, but you're not quite ready to dive into a program, think about ammo and consider what it might be able to do for you and where you'll be a year from now if you make the leap. It can feel overwhelming. And I know a lot of people, you're just about to hear a conversation that I recorded yesterday with a guest on the podcast, somebody who who purchased ammo and for eight months did nothing with it. Uh, and she said that she regrets not starting earlier. Uh, if you listen to my episode with Gordon Carroll, same story there. He, he bought the program and didn't start for, for quite a long time. This is TRBM a podcast for authors who are serious about earning a full-time living selling books to readers. I'm the host, Jody J. Sperling, and each episode, I'll share with you practical tips on marketing and selling your books. And I won't hold anything back. Sometimes I fail. Every time I do, you'll know it. Sometimes I succeed. And when I do, I'll give you my step-by-step replay so you can succeed too. Thanks for listening. 
imagine where your life could be if you were selling novels or books, nonfiction books, self-help books, whatever you write, biography to your audience, and your readership was growing, you were making money and getting known in your area uh, of writing as an expert, how great that would be. So today we're going to talk about you as an apple, because whether you know it or not, you're an apple. Okay. In this illustration, you're an apple. Some of you might be a jar of pickles. Others of you might be a nice juicy T-bone steak, but we're going to stick with apple right now. And maybe we'll work our way into other ways that this illustration kind of grows and blooms and leaves and drops its leaves and winterizes. We're getting out there. So sometimes, by the way, I think about changing the name of this podcast to Book Marketing Mindset from Dog Walks. Book Marketing Mindset from Dog Walks. Let me know if you think that's a better name for a podcast. My guess is it's going to get a big fat because, you know, it's um, not real catchy. But TRBM doesn't mean anything. I'm also aware of that. It's kind of an inside joke. But really, this podcast, I think it feels like at least 80 to 90% of everything that I talk about on this podcast comes from insights I have while walking my dog. Uh, I will always have a dog, even though I don't consider myself a dog person, because I need an excuse to get out and walk a dog, no matter what the weather's like. I mean, okay, I don't walk a dog if it's a downpour, uh, and I don't walk a dog if it's actively snowing with many inches of snow on the ground that hasn't been plowed. Um, those are the only two occasions when I don't walk my dog. It can be uh, 20 below, and I will put some little dog booties on his feet, and we will get out there, and we will walk. And the amazing thing is, after you get over feeling uncomfortable because it's too cold or too hot or too dark or too windy, you start to think and reflect on your life. And a lot of times I do listen to podcasts, but more often than not, the podcast almost ends up kind of receding into the background. The The book that I might be reading, whatever it is, might just recede into the background and my brain starts to process. And I do go for silent dog walks. That's a, a little bit newer, but in the last couple of months, I've started to do that. I'd encourage you to take walks. And if that means getting a dog, do it, even if you're allergic. No, don't don't put yourself in danger, but go for walks. They're amazing. They really are fruitful. And I think I'll always be a walker for sure. Street walker, walking the streets, walking the streets of Omaha. Jody, the street walker. Yes, I'm aware that that term is, you know, something else. But okay, as I'm walking this morning, this was just this morning, hot off the presses. As I'm walking this morning, I am thinking about my middle son. And I'm listening to this podcast and the guy is talking about our identity and who we are. And I thought, you know, and he specifically talked about kids and how from, from the earliest age, uh, kids hear from their parents, no, don't do that. That's naughty. Stop doing that. Bad behavior, blah, blah, blah. And the kid, no matter how good you are at parenting, and this is, I think, true because I know for myself, my wife and I early on bought into the idea that we weren't going to label our kids. And so we are very careful about the way that we speak to our son, but we will say, you just told a lie. That's a lie that you told. Um, we'll say, you just acted poorly. You just behaved inappropriately. You just spoke negative words whatever it might be. I mean, there's so many things that we will say that's really destructive behavior. And the thing is, is that every single day there's a run-in, you know, it's not exactly that way with the other two kids, but my middle guy, he just has a lot of willfulness. And so it's a daily thing. 
hey, I told you that's adult language. Don't say that word. When you're an adult, you can say those words because you'll know how to say them in an appropriate context. But right now you're a kid and you don't know how to say it in an appropriate context. So there's discipline for saying uh, adult, using adult language. Um, the other day he got up in the middle of class and started throwing chips. He's allowed to have snacks in class because, uh, well, I, I don't need to get into that depth, but he started throwing chips around the room. And then when his teacher asked him to stop, he decided uh, to hell with you. I'm going to get on the floor and start rolling around and babbling. So um, pretty like not great behavior. And you want to be like, dude, you are crazy. But I'm very, very careful not to say you are anything because that becomes an identity level thing for him. Like you are an apple. But I say your behavior is crazy. And when you behave that way, you distance yourself from people. People don't want to be around you when your behavior is erratic, unpredictable, mean, unkind. When you lie, that pushes people away. Yes, we're going to get to book marketing, but this is all a setup. As I'm walking this morning, I'm thinking about these identity level things, and I get to take full credit for this analogy, whether you like it or not. If you think it's great, cool. Think that the analogy is great. I coined it. If you don't like it, I coined it. So bad on me. But as I'm walking, I'm thinking, okay, how do I illustrate for my kids what is true so that I can continue to address undesirable behaviors while not causing this to sink into his, their psyches and transform their feelings so that they think this is their identity. I grew up being told I was a liar. Um, as a child, I lied a lot. I lied about stupid shit. I lied about really mundane, idiotic things. I can't even tell you sometimes why I chose to tell some of the lies I told. One of the worst ones I remember, uh, we went to the Circle Church. Um, it was a big circular building and all of the halls were circular. Um, the, the rooms were square, but everything else like on the outside was uh, circle. And I remember being in Sunday school. And for some reason, I decided to tell my Sunday school teacher that uh, a family member died. I don't remember exactly which family member, you know, not in the immediate family. Um, got a lot of sympathy. Well, the Sunday school teacher then did what any rational person would do and went and told my stepmom that they were so sorry about the loss of his family member. And she was understandably a little bit like taken aback. Um, that person's not dead. As I recall, it could have even been that that person didn't even exist. And I don't know. I'm not 100% sure, but I do know that I told that lie and I'm not sure why. Probably I wanted attention as my best guess, but kid, you know, not good. And there were lots of things uh, across childhood, but I've grown up believing that I am a liar, that that is who I am. And it's strange because I don't fully think that... I feel negative about it sometimes. This is this is the weird stuff is that sometimes I'm sort of proud of whatever thing it is in me that spins tales like, hello, I write novels. And so I love being able to tell stories and get super creative in my mind about creating the stories that, that then feel like reality, feels like I believe and live in these things. And I think maybe part of lying is that too, is, is like telling yourself something that you initially know is not true and then getting yourself into a state of believing it. And maybe I'm really good at, at a certain kind of visualization because of that. So I, I see all these like positive outgrowths of lying, but I am not a liar. 
And the reason I'm not a liar is because if, if I never told another lie in my life, and this includes if I never wrote another novel or created another story, if I, if I were constrained to factual truth telling only, I would still be Jody J. Sperling. You would still be you, no matter what your behavior was. You are an apple. An apple is an apple from the moment that the seed exists in the apple's mother or father. Apples, I think, are considered asexual in that way. It's really strange. All of the DNA needed for the apple is in the seed, and the seed has to grow a tree to grow an apple. I'm really getting far out there, guys. This is crazy. But it's all there. An apple is an apple is an apple from the moment of conception. <laughs> oh, I wanted my son to know that despite all of his behaviors, he's an apple. So what I did was I came home today. Uh, and this is a moment of manifestation, by the way. Uh, it, I'm just so, so bathed and steeped in this stuff. Um, as I was having these thoughts, it's 620 in the morning. My kids aren't even allowed to come out of their room until seven o'clock. And pretty much every day, we have to wake them up around 715 or 730 to get them ready for school. So it's it's a very rare occasion that all of them are awake. If one of them is awake, it's my oldest son. He, he is not as big of a sleeper as his two other brothers. And he like is really excited about the day. He wants to wake up in the morning and and do some coding, um, like computer code, C O D E or coding. Um, and so he oftentimes will be awake around seven o'clock, but the other two definitely sleep as I'm walking though, I'm thinking about wanting to tell them this analogy of you are an apple. And I just thought the thought, like, I really hope they're all awake when I get home. Cause I want to show them this. I walk in and all of them are awake. Very rare occasion, you know, coincidence, fine, but I don't view it as a coincidence. I view it as like, I somehow cosmically woke my children up because I was excited about sharing this. And I'm excited to share it with you too, because it, I think is central to great book marketing. And we'll get there. All the boys are sitting out doing their thing. They're kind of joking, laughing and everything. And I say, come on, guys, come on, come to the table, come to the table. I've already, I've already gotten all of the props ready for it. So they come, they sit down and I'm, I'm on the bench seat at the table and I've got some little props on the bench that they can't necessarily see. And I've got an apple on the table and I say, Hey guys, do you like apples? And now time for a little ad break. Have you ever heard of the Luke and time mysteries? If you're listening to this podcast, chances are you have the host is also the author. The Luke and time mysteries are for anybody who likes a little R rated action with a bit of magic as well as characters who do incredibly unlikely things, such as drink two gallons of bourbon in a single sitting. It's local, it's place-driven, it's voicey, it's hard-boiled. And where does all of Lyle's food come from? Find out these details and more when you buy The Luke and Time Mysteries. Click the link in the show notes, and we have every format available. Don't miss your chance to get a 60% discount just for being a podcast listener. Now back to the show. You know, and all of them are like, yeah, 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 yeah. Love apples. They do. They love apples. Uh, Honeycrisp apples specifically. They couldn't get enough of them because uh, we are so like lux that way. I mean, we live bougie, baby. Only the best stuff for this family. <laughs> no Granny Smiths. Just the best. Honeycrisp. I heard that there's an apple called like Cosmic Crisp that's even like crispier and sweeter. Let me know what you think in the comments. <laughs> I have the apple on the table and they all say they like it. And I, I say to my youngest son, I say, do you want to take a bite? And he's like, well, no, not right now. And I said, but but I mean, like later today, you might want to take a bite. Yeah, definitely. I, I love apples. Yes. Okay. I asked my middle son, do you like apples? Yeah. You want a bite? Yeah. 
I asked my oldest son, you like apples? Yeah. You want to bite? Yeah. And then from the bench, I grab a bottle of Elmer's glue and I screw off the top and I pour just a big old glop of Elmer's glue on top of the apple. And the boys are like laughing, of course, because this is fun for kids. And, and like, it's drizzling down onto the table. And then I say, do you guys, you want to, you want a bite of the apple now? Would you like a bite of this apple? Does that sound good? You want to take a bite? And of course, all three of them are like, no, 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 I don't want to bite. Yuck, ew, gross. And I said, but if I took this over to the sink and I just washed off the glue, would you want to take a bite of the apple? And they're like, yeah, yeah, definitely. So it's like, this glue is telling a lie. When you tell a lie, I don't want anything to do with that. I don't, I don't, now I don't want to take a bite of that apple, but it's not because the apple's broken. It's because you added something to the apple that wasn't there that is undesirable. And then I got out some cayenne pepper and I said, this is hitting your brother. And I poured some cayenne pepper on top of the glue on the apple. And I said, do any of you want to take a bite now? You know, when we go through this illustration again of rinsing the apple off, you can rinse it off. And then I got a piece of steel wool and I just kind of stuck that on top of it. And do you want to take a bite now? No. Okay. Well, this is, this is um, throwing a temper tantrum. This is whatever it might be. And so I'm trying to illustrate for them. I can take this apple right back to what it is because you are an apple. You are not the lie. You are not the hitting your brother. You are not rolling around on the classroom floor. Those things are not you. You are the apple and you are desirable. So if you're listening right now, I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you are. I'm almost about to sing a Savage Garden song. (laughs) You are an apple. No matter what you've done, you are an apple. That might mean that you need to uh, walk back some of the choices that you've made in your life because you've added to yourself something that's undesirable that people don't really want to invite into their, their life and their world. Yes, we're going to talk about book marketing. You can get back to that place. You can wash off all of the dirt and the dust and the grossness, and you can be that perfectly delicious, good apple that you are, that you were born as, that you have been your entire life. I was really excited because I could tell in my middle son's behaviors that I'd gotten through to him. Um, and, and, you know, he, he asked, well, like, is there anything like that you could do that would just permanently change you? And I, I said, well, it's funny that you ask. And I picked up a knife that I'd had on the bench and I slid it through the middle of the apple. And I said, would you like to take a bite of it now? And I'm like, no, I cut myself. Yeah. And also I can't rinse this off. Can I? I can't rinse the knife off. It's just like in there. And they're like, you could pull it out. And I said, absolutely. Yes, you could. And then I would eat that apple. Right. But also if I didn't eat that apple right now, later, there's going to be a scar on the apple. And the way I explained it to my kids, we can all have different viewpoints on this, but I said, this for you guys is as close as you're going to get to um, having intimacy with a woman um, is once you do that, that woman is going to be with you forever or a man. If you have intimacy with a man, it's once you do it, you can never not do that. That is a thing that remains with you. It doesn't become your identity, but it does become a thing that you can no longer shake off of. You You bring that person. It's like chaining a little piece of their spirit onto your spirit. And now they're with you for the rest of your life. Um, I'm not going to get into morality or ethics here. I hope for my kids that they are very, very, conscious of the intimacy that they share with people. Um, because I know how I feel about the intimacy that I shared with other people, uh, that still to this day lingers with me. Um, 
yeah, I'm not going to go off on that rabbit trail, but I just want for my kids to value intimacy in such a way that they protect their hearts. That's what I really want because it has this ability to just stay with us like a scar. Um, and I do believe that there is like full 100% healing. Anyways, again, I said I wasn't going down this trail, but yes, there are things, son, that you can do that that could permanently change uh, you. I'm in the middle of thinking this through, but I, I really feel like for the most part, everything you can get back to the apple. How does this have to do with book marketing? I'm going to ask you a series of questions. And I want you to see, do you identify with these things? All right. So we'll talk about it from here and kind of wrap back around. First, I'm just not the kind of writer the masses love to read. Have you ever said that about yourself? I'm just not the kind of writer the masses love to read. Have you ever said, I can't write that many books that fast? I can't write that many books that fast. I, I'm, I'm lucky to be able to write a book every other year. And, you know, in this world, we have to have like, seems like rapid release 15 books in order to really gain any kind of traction. I, I just can't write that many books that fast. How about I value quality over quantity and I'm a quality writer, so I can't write fast. I know I used to believe that about myself. I used to believe that I couldn't write fast and that if I did write fast, I would sacrifice quality. Is that you? Do you feel that way? Uh, how about I'm too busy to market? I'm too busy to market. I can write the books, but I mean, it's all I can do to write the books. I've got a family. I've got a job. I've got uh, all of these different things that I need to do and I'm too busy to market. So I love writing the books. And if I find a few readers, great, but I'm just too busy to market. How about I'm too poor to spend money on marketing. Bet you there's a lot of you listening right now who feel like you can't spend money on marketing. You're too poor. You don't have enough money. You got too many bills, too poor to spend money on marketing. What if my books aren't good enough to sell even if I market them? I'm too boring on social media and no one ever likes my posts. Have you ever thought that before? Have you ever thought, my posts are so clever and so smart and nobody ever notices them. This is one I hear a lot. There's plenty that I might not mention here that, that you identify with, but I just want to kind of whet your appetite to think of these things and, and what are the identity level questions about yourself or the beliefs, the core held beliefs about who you are. This is one I hear a ton. I don't like people, or you might say, I'm an introvert, so I can't be good at marketing. All of those things are additions to the apple. All of those things are additions to you. I can go back and I can prove it to you in this way. And you may be the kind of person who says, yeah, but, and that's okay. You're not ready to hear this. And I know that sounds aggressive to say you're not ready to hear this. You may never be ready to hear this. You may stop listening to this podcast because you feel like I'm insensitive to whatever limitations you have. I was really careful not to mention some of the limitations that people cite that uh, can be argued are genetic um, or are diseases. But I will say, just in brief, to cover that territory, no matter what genetic makeup you have, no matter what disease you suffer from, somebody with your genetic makeup, somebody with your disease overcame it to be something that the world recognized as great. So no matter what you have, somebody who also has that proved that despite it and in spite of it, they can achieve greatness. Okay. And I do want to say in 
closing on this piece, greatness is not just existing. Greatness is not just being alive. Greatness is not carrying on one more day. That may be the best thing you can do today, depending on where you are at emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. It may be a great achievement to power through today, to get to tomorrow. It's been a month, just about, since I put down drinking because I felt like it was at odds with my goals. And I kid you not, the first day, the only great thing I did was make it without drinking. It wasn't easy for me. I wanted to drink. I questioned whether it would make any difference. I thought of all the other times that I took a break from drinking. And I thought, you know, this is just a short-lived thing. Why go through the pain? You know, I'm funny when I drink. I'm clever when I drink. People like me when I drink. I'm a better person when I'm drunk. That's my false belief. That's one of my core false beliefs starting to slip away, starting to realize that it's not. But I understand how having a disease, how having a limitation, how having a genetic inclination can be really challenging. And I just want to remind you that somebody with what you have has done something admirable. And in the long term and the greater scope, greatness is achieving something that other people can aspire to. Greatness is achieving something that other people can aspire to. A lot of us are introverts as writers. That's something that comes up a lot. So that's what I want to use as kind of the illustration here of of why, for one, being an introvert is not an excuse not to market. And two, being an introvert is not necessarily you. You are not an introvert. You have learned to exist in introversion. You have learned to express introversion as your primary function, but you are not introversion. I can tell you over and over and over again, if you listen to anybody who has been successful at anything, so many of them will come and say, I used to be terrified of, I used to be scared of. And the biggest fear that people cite, you can actually go look this up. The biggest fear is public speaking, whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, wherever you are on that spectrum, Everybody is afraid of being in front of a lot of people. So if you say, I don't like people or I'm an introvert, welcome, welcome. Big whoop-dee-doo. Something strange happens to every single person who confronts this, whether you go through Toastmasters to learn how to be a great speaker, whether you drill it with your stuffed animals. Um, Yes, I do still have a couple stuffed animals and sometimes I talk to them, okay? So it's like, that's weird or something. Jeez. Or your cat. I talk to Chewy all the time. My podcast co-host, I have long conversations with him and I have absolutely drilled speeches that I wanted to give with him. But the interesting thing is the more you do something, the more comfortable it becomes. And I hate to tell you this, but introversion is part of your personality, but your personality comes from your personal reality. And so when your personal reality changes, I'm thinking about the pop filter on my microphone right now. And I'm like, when your personal reality changes, your personality changes. There's this thing called the Myers-Briggs test. You probably all heard of it. Um, If you haven't, look it up. It's interesting. I have friends who are 100% committed to this idea that they're always going to be an INFJ or they're always going to be a, an ENTP. Um, and, and like they will be like, Oh yeah, what's your Myers Briggs? You know, and they'll be like, Oh cool. Like 
my Myers-Briggs and your Myers-Briggs don't like totally mesh or anything, but it's like, it's nothing personal. It's just like our actual Myers-Briggs don't really like mesh really well. So like good luck out there, but we're probably, you know, we're not going to mesh. I love personality tests. Um, the one that's really popular right now, I had a, a guest on, um, Tyler Zock, who talked about the Enneagrams and Enneagrams are, are very popular right now. They're similar. I like this stuff. I think it's cool. I also think that it can be extremely limiting. The moment you take on an identity, you limit the other identities that you can have. Okay. If you say, I am an introvert, what are you automatically saying? I'm not an extrovert. Okay. Implicit in I'm an introvert is I'm not an extrovert. I don't like people. I prefer to be alone. I gain my energy from being alone. In fact, go back and listen to this podcast from episodes past and I will, I've, I've talked about introversion before and gaining energy from being alone. So far in my life, I've always gained energy from being alone so far. However, I do recognize that there is a kind of energy that I'm starting to gain from certain interactions that I'm having with groups of people. And that's coming because I'm forced to extrovert myself a whole lot more to sell my books, to get around business people who can give me ideas. And it's like, weird what's happening. I'm becoming more comfortable with my in-laws. I'm becoming more comfortable with groups of strangers. I'm becoming more comfortable in chaotic environments because I'm forced into them. My personal reality, my personal reality, not all of it, all of it is chosen at the conscious level, but it's starting to influence my personality. And it certainly can for you. And the thing is, you know that it's not you. The apple is not the introvert. Introversion was thrown on the apple as a label, a convenient label, so that you could interpret the world. But if you took the introversion away, the apple would still exist. That's how you know you're not an introvert. You express yourself through introversion at this time of your life. And again, there's so many other ones. I picked this one because it seems to be pretty common among writers. So I think I'm speaking to the largest swath of folks right now. Um, but but whatever it is, whether it's writing fast or writing commercial or whatever it might be, you've got your thing that you think you are, and you don't have to be that. There are some things that you want to be. I want to be healthy, thin, fit. I want to have a lot of money. I want to be well-traveled. I want to be well-read. I want to be smart. I want to be intelligent. Um, I want to be well-spoken. There's a lot of things that I want, and those things aren't me either. Uh I don't know that I can tell you for sure what all the apple is, but I know that at its core, you can change just about anything you want and you are still you. So do some thinking, come to your own conclusions on this, figure out what you are and what is unchangeable and unmovable and unshiftable. And that core you is who you are. And then you can add things and subtract things. So going back to my conversation with my children this morning, after we'd done everything, I sent them on their way to to have fun. Uh, they have a day off school, so they were just kind of playing around in no rush. I rinsed off the apple completely. Um, I'd already stuck a knife through it, so I wanted to use it. I didn't even plan for this piece of the analogy, but it sure did work out nicely. Um, I cut the apple in half, and I cut it into slices, and I carved away the, the core. <laughs> Ironically enough, I carved away the core and the seeds, and I said, hey, boys, does anybody want, because none of them wanted an apple at that time. Like, uh, you know, they, they weren't hungry for an apple. It's not normal for them to eat an apple in the morning, even though it keeps the doctor away. I know. And, and so I, I called them and I said, Hey boys, does anybody want an apple with some Nutella? They friggin' love Nutella. 
So the youngest and the middle are like, yeah, 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 I want Nutella. Mm. And, and I pointed out to my youngest, wait a sec, you didn't want an apple before, but I want Nutella. And I was like, yeah, all right. So let's finish this off by saying there are things that you can add to yourself that will make people like what you've got to say and want to be around you. And if I were going to leave you with something, I would say to be a great book marketer, think about the things that you can add to yourself that people will like. And the weird thing is I'm almost positive. I almost guarantee that whatever it is that you add to yourself that other people like, you will also like. This is an episode where I find myself trying to grasp at things that I haven't fully thought through. Because I know, for example, that I read widely, but I don't expect everybody else to have the same taste in reading who likes the books that I write. Um, So there's room for interpretation on this. But I think it is worth reflecting on that you can add things to yourself that make you more desirable, just the same way that you can add things to yourself that make you less desirable. Once you know who you are, I think that you're going to have a very clear vision on how you can market your books. And when you have a clear vision on how you can market books, you're going to have a lot of energy behind doing it. So get clear on you. That would be my encouragement is get clear on you, who you are, get clear on the things you've added to yourself that aren't you, but are a convenient way to label yourself and look at those things and decide, is this one maybe one I'm willing to loosen my grip on? Is this one maybe that I could let go a little bit? What would happen if I just decided that I wasn't going to be this thing anymore? You never were that thing, but there is something in your brain that's like, I'm not going to be that anymore. I'm not going to be an alcoholic anymore. I'm not going to be an introvert anymore. Maybe you can do it. All right. We'll talk again on Wednesday. Thank you for listening to TRBM. The theme music was provided by the ever-talented Christopher Talon. And hey, if you liked what you heard, share this show with other readers because what's the point of telling stories if nobody's listening?